Hello and welcome back to Runners in Scoring Position. I'm Nate and with me as always as Charlie and Charlie is going to introduce our very special guest. If you want to take it away, Charlie. Sure. We have two-time SEC Player of the Year, two-time college baseball All-American selection at the University of Florida, seventh overall pick in the 2007 Major League Baseball Draft, 2008 bronze medalist in the 2008 Futures Game Selection, he is the founder of Laporta Sports and a branch manager at Embrace Home Loans in Tampa, Florida. We have Matt Laporta. Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Guys, thanks for having me on the show. And, and man, I, I just got goosebumps listening to that. Uh, all those things you just rattled off there. It made me feel good again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so let's jump right into it. So you grew up in Port Charlotte, Florida. How did having close proximity to professional baseball advance your development? Oh, it was great. So <clears throat> I was probably five minutes away from where now the, the Rays are at. Uh, it used to be the, the Rangers, and, and the Rangers were a big deal because back then they had, you know, you had Pudge, you had A-Rod, you had Palmero. I mean, you had just some studs on the team. And and uh, But I remember just every spring training just going over there watching those guys play during the season and eight ball or rookie ball watching those guys play. And um, just from a young age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Awesome. So this is Nate here, and we're going to go to the next question. So what college recruited you, and ultimately, why did you choose Florida? Yeah, great question. Um, I got recruited by quite a few colleges. Most of them were SEC, ACC schools. Um, you, you know, And then uh, Miami was probably early on was one of the places that I really wanted to go. I don't know, I don't know why. I, just stayed. I think they, they were really good at baseball at the time, and mm-hmm. Um, that was a place that uh, I liked. I liked Miami as a city. But uh, my mom graduated from University of Florida, and 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 uh, I went up there for a visit and, and realized that they didn't have a catcher uh, that that would be a freshman with me um, at the time. And and uh, I knew they were losing their senior catcher, so I felt like that might be a good fit for me to go there again. Great, great university. My mom went there, so it made sense for. Uh, for me to go to University of Florida. Pretty much the only two places I looked. <laughs> what were some moments that defined your University of Florida career? Wow, man. That's a that's a good one. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I would say probably like my sophomore season. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily an actual moment there, just the, the whole season as a whole. I mean, our team was really good. We had some really good ball players. Um, I had a, you know, a great career, a great season that year. Um, you know, I led the country in home runs. And so just, again, I think that was kind of a pivotal, pivotal time in my college. And then coming back from my senior year was probably the most, um, impactful season of, of my college years. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, so you got drafted three times, 14th round in 2003 MLB draft by the Cubs, 14th round in 2006 MLB draft by the Red Sox, and 7th overall pick in the draft by the Brewers. How did the decision-making to stay or leave change after three times? Yeah, I mean, the first time was the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs, I grew up a Cubs fan. My family's from Chicago, so that was kind of difficult. Um, But I think ultimately we – we realized that going to school and, and getting, you know, a college degree at that time was was 
a better fit than you want to play, you know, minor league baseball uh, and sitting on buses, playing in not the best stadiums in the world, although they are much nicer now, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing was a piece of advice that I got, who's now the head coach at Florida Gulf Coast University, Dave Collette. Uh, he was my base, high school baseball coach at the time. And he had, he had told me, he said, look, man, if you can't get any better by going to college, like you weren't, you were never going to make it to the big leagues. So it, I just kind of always resonated with me because I just felt like, well, man, this is the university of Florida. Surely I can get better and improve my abilities and hopefully get drafted higher. Uh, so that was kind of the first go around. The second go around, <clears throat> I, I was probably projected to go significantly higher than I did. Uh, my junior year, I ended up getting hurt my junior year. And so I think that's, Ultimately, what affected me um, with with the draft there, uh, we, we turned down, you know, from the Red Sox. I mean, they were they definitely had a generous offer to us, um, but I just, you know, at the time, I just didn't feel like that was the right decision to make, and felt like, you know, really, God kind of prompted me to go back to college for my senior year and go have fun, and so I did. And I mean, we saw this, there have been cases where, you know, not signing in the first, you know, two times you were drafted hasn't worked out. I mean, we have a case with former Houston Astros pitcher Mark Appel getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, you know, super high pick, not signing, and then going significantly lower to the Houston Astros. So I think you were one of the lucky cases where it actually worked out, you know, going back to school and it paying off to get drafted in that first round. Yeah, I mean... It definitely did. I, you know, my my agent or advisor at the time, you know, Scott Boris, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that he told me that, that stuck in my mind was, Matt, you have what a lot of people don't have is power. And, you know, if you're the best player, if you're the best power hitter in the country, they're, you're going to force their hands to take you, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, it's just the way it is. You want the best player. So whether he's a junior or a senior, I want the best player. So, you know, going into that senior season, I knew that, you know, I had to be one of the best players in the country. And, and I woke, I mean, I got SEC player of the year and I don't know how David Price got the player of the year because we're in the same division. So I, I don't know how that worked out, but, <laughs> but Dave, David's my boy. So I, I, I you know, always, crap about that yeah and david david's probably listening to this so you know yeah right yeah <laughs> um matt where were you on draft night in 2007 and then what was that process like immediately after you signed your contract with the brewers yeah so crazy enough i my college roommate um his family they own international diamond center down here in tampa uh st pete area and uh <clears throat> um brian leclerc great great people it, they had invited me to come out to California with them. Uh, they, they had some, some jewelry shows they needed to be at and whatnot. And so I went out there with them. We were staying at one of their friends' houses. And, and uh, it was just, a, it was, I mean, the morning of the draft, I woke up, you know, we you know, have our locks and bagels and some orange juice and kind of just hanging out. This guy had a beautiful house we were staying at just, just really hanging out and then the draft came and the guys from our agency called me and 
that, hey, the Brewers are thinking of taking you seventh overall. Uh, I mean, I was like, they, they want to take you and, let, you know, they want you to play the outfield. Can you play the outfield? I said, yeah, sure, wherever you need me to play. Um, and they said, okay, and that was it. So I just waited in the draft and kept watching the ticker once it started, and there I was, seventh overall pick. And it was kind of, it's kind of a surreal moment because, again, I had been drafted twice before that. And the first time out of high school, like my family and I, more of my family and my mom, my, my dad, yeah, they made a big deal of it. Like we had a draft party, we had all this stuff. And, and it was, it was, to me, it was embarrassing, even though I did get drafted, but I, I didn't get drafted that high. So it just very deflating. Um, and then the next year or the next time drafted, it was a little less casual. And then, Finally, the third time, I just was like, hey, man, whatever happens, it's going to happen. So be it. Yeah. If I get drafted, great. If I don't, I'll you know, start my life. And, you know, cause, you know, there's only so many things we can control in our life, right? We can control sure. our attitude and how hard we work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. So, Matt, a notorious fact about the Pioneer League is that all of the teams are very far apart. Some of them 10, 12-hour bus rides apart. How lonely did minor league baseball get for you? Um, it, it wasn't, the, the first year was a little difficult at times, but I was more, I think I was fighting more demons in my head than just than the travel of everything. Um, I mean, we were in the, oh, the Pioneer League, that's the, that's out in Montana, right? I mm-hmm. was, so I only played out there like a week. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was in and out of that, but yeah, that, that that's a tough league because that travel is tough. You're not staying in. I remember um, when I went out there, I mean, there was like three guys to one room. Jonathan, or maybe it was only two. Jonathan Lucroy, uh, he was my roommate out there in Helena when we got out there because he was the second pick by the Brewers that year. Um, and it was it was different, but you know, as far as I think – you get to you kind of bypass some of those leagues if you go by going to college. Sure. You know, a lot of those leagues are, you know, the, the young high school kids getting drafted and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because you see a lot of these college kids who get drafted and they'll start, you know, in short season A because a lot of the times these, you know, big baseball conferences, the SEC, the ACC are – essentially the equivalent of a, you know, a rookie ball team or something like that. So they just jump right up to short A. Yeah. I mean, I think of these big ACC, SEC, the big 12, mm-hmm. or wherever Texas is at out there. Um, <clears throat> a lot of those kids, man, especially if you're an early pick, you know, those guys are ready to go play double A baseball. For sure. I mean, they're, I mean, it's just, you know, they're ready to go there. Yeah, and so that's you see a lot of these kids just jump right out. You know, they may play high A a little bit, but they they get to double A quick, and that's when you start separating yourself. You know, can you keep playing at the next level? Yes, you know, then you go to triple A and so on to the big leagues. In January of two thousand eight, you got invited to spring training. How did that feel, and how did you mentally prepare for that for the first time? Yeah, I mean that that was. <clears throat> that was an amazing feeling because I mean, you, you know, your first spring training, you get to go to big league camp. I mean, that's, that's pretty big league. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so that was an unbelievable 
feeling and experience to be, you know, again, worked so hard to get to to that point, and you're in the locker room with those all those, you know, guys, and you know, you had Prince Fielder, Ryan Braun, Corey Hart. I mean, they just had a ton of talent there, um, and Gabe Kapler, he was on our team, you know, managing the Phillies now. Um, so it's just a great experience to be in there with those guys, and and I mean, I just, I just try to follow guys' leads. Like Gabe Kapler, I mean, he's a fanatic about how he eats and how healthy he is. So I just, I mean, this guy played for a long time. How do I play for a long time? So just try to model yourself after guys that have had some success. Very cool. Uh, so in January, oh, in July 7th, 2008, you were included in a trade to acquire former Cleveland Indians starting pitcher CC Sabathia. Where were you? How did you react when you heard of this trade? And what were your reactions to being traded to the Indians? Yeah, so I was, uh, um, we, we just finished the game. We were in Huntsville, Alabama. We just finished the game. I actually didn't play that day because of the trade. They held me out, but they wouldn't tell me why they were holding me out. Um, and so as soon as the game was over, they called me in and said, hey, you just got traded for CC Sabathia. And, and at first, you know, I was like, man, all right. I thought I'd be a brewer, um, you know, get to come up with a lot of those young guys, you know, because Prince was young, Braun was young, Corey Hart, all those guys were young players at the time. So I thought I'd get to come up with those guys and kind of build this nucleus of a, of a championship ball club. And so it was kind of tough, but, you know, to get traded to, to Cleveland uh, was a big deal. I mean, I'm a huge major league fan, the movie. And so to be on the Indians, mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, it's pretty cool. And then, you know, they, they've had, they've got a lot of rich history, you know, the tribe does. So, so it was good to be a part of that. So nine days after that, you were selected to play on the 2008 U.S. Olympic team. How did you find out about it? And did you have any inkling beforehand that you would be selected for the Olympic team? I didn't have any inkling. Um, it was it was definitely kind of a bucket list type deal. Um, I wanted to be. I really wanted to be on that team. Um, I love international baseball. I think it's phenomenal. It's so much fun. Um. And I, I really wanted to be on that team. I think at the time, I I don't know if I was then, I might have been leading all of double A in home runs or I don't know. I, I had like 21 home runs before the break. And I still was nervous that I wasn't going to, you know, we were hitting like our team was unbelievable. I mean, we had Michael Brantley. We had Alcides Escobar. We had me. We had uh, Martin Maldonado, catcher with the Astros. I mean, we had some studs on the team. Um, any rate, so it was just something that was there. I knew it was coming. I wanted to be a part of that team so bad and, but I had no idea if I was going to make it or not. And thankfully I did. And it was one of the best experiences, probably one of the highlights of my uh, career. Just a follow-up question on that. You said you really love, you know, international baseball. Do you think there's something that major league baseball could look at and improve on based on what international baseball is doing? Mm, I guess in what, in what regards are you? Well, I mean, there's so much, you know, fandom and popularity over in Japan and China, and you see all these ex major league baseball players go over to Japan and China and have, you know, great success and get paid all this money to go over there. But do you think there's something that 
Major League Baseball could do to kind of improve itself or kind of base off what international baseball is doing? Um, I think it would be – it's hard to replicate what they do. I mean, it's just – I think it's a different – it's just a different mentality, right? Like a lot of Asian cultures, they don't have, they don't have football. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so they don't really have, they have some basketball, like China has basketball. I don't know if Korea has a team or Japan has a team. Um, so they don't have basketball. So, so they don't have a whole lot of sports other than, you know, they have soccer, of course. But so baseball is kind of one of those things that a lot of people just love and flock to. In, in those cultures and they, I mean, they love it. I mean, they've got, they're up the whole game singing, singing their, their rally chants and it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, there's so much energy when you play, you know, an Asian, um, you know, an Asian team. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So how did your mindset change and what was your reaction after getting your first uh, major league baseball hit? Was that a big moment for you or is just kind of, it wasn't, you can't kind of don't remember it that well. Oh, I remember, I remember it. It was a big moment. Um, it came my second game in the big leagues. Uh, we were playing in Toronto and, uh, you know, hit the home run off of, uh, left-handed pitcher, Brian Tallett. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was my first big league hit there in Toronto. Uh, backtracking a little bit, where would you rank winning a bronze medal on your list of accomplishments? Oh, man. I, I mean, I think it's got to be up there, top top two, top three, for sure. Awesome. So coming into 2010, the expectation for you is to compete as a starting first baseman position. However, the Indians signed Russell Brandon. Um, as a competitor, did you feel discouraged when another guy being brought in, or did you feel like that added to your game? Uh, there, no, there was definitely discouragement there because um, I just had went through my first big hip surgery mm-hmm. the, the off season prior to that, <clears throat> and then you know to see him come in and, and I mean looking back, it was probably like, look, we don't know if Matt's going to be ready. We need to have a backup plan, um, but it was still kind of. You know, the 22, three-year-old guy, it was just kind of, kind of difficult to, you know, it was just frustrating. I'm like, man, you know, I worked my butt off to get back here, and now we got this other guy here. So it was tough, but but I got, you know, I got used to it, and and then it just encouraged me. And you know, hey, man, if you don't like it, play better. I mean, it's a simple simple way to look at it (laughs) so during your career with the indians you had a lot of fun teammates grady sizemore travis hafner roberto hernandez also known as fausto carmona do you have any good stories (laughs) you could share with us and how did they impact you as a player um man grady was great grady was a humble guy he uh he loved strapping on the uniform he played really hard um enjoyed watching that guy play he had so much talent he just had so much raw talent i mean he i mean he just was just a super talented athlete so it was fun to watch him like i was never that kind of athlete and i was more like this skilled type guy and he just was this incredible athlete and then travis and i are still really good friends he lives down here in the tampa area and he was uh again another humble guy but he loved 
hitting, and he would just be so detailed about it. So that was great to learn that from, from him. Uh, <laughs> Carmona or Hernandez, uh, that guy was a trip, man. He, we just, he, he was, especially when he got his name changed, everybody was giving him a hard time about that. But, uh, but he, he, had a, he had a big heart. He was a kind guy. Uh, he, he was just always fun to kind of poke fun at every once in a while. Uh, we had some good guys. We had Carl Pavano on our team. Yep, Carl Pavano. Uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, we had uh, Tony Graffinino. Just we had some, especially that my my rookie year. We had you know Kerry Wood. I mean, a lot of these guys were savvy veterans, man. That really gave you a hard time, but also you know took care of you. Um, you know, I remember. I don't remember what I can't remember what it was, but. Me and Tony Sip were riding on a bus one time. We were actually down in Tampa, and and we had forgot something. There was something on the other bus, but the other bus was the coaches and staff and everything. Well, Kerry Wood, Kerry Wood goes, Sip and Laporta, you guys go down, go get our stuff off the other bus. And like we didn't move at first. We we're just looking at each other, like, are they serious right now? And they were like, no, get up and go. So, and we were losing. We kind of, we sucked in 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Tony and I get off the bus. We go walk over to the other bus. This is at a stoplight, right? So there's not a whole lot of time. We knock on the bus door. The bus driver opens the door. We walk up the steps and we're like, hey, we came on to get, get something. Um, and, uh, Eric Wedge, who our manager was, was like, "Sit your butt, sit down in the back over there." He was not. He was not happy about that. So there was not not a great moment there. Very uh, awkward. But but yeah, I mean, those guys. I just loved it. I mean, guys were great. It was such a such a fun time. I remember one time coming in the locker room in spring training. Kerry Wood took all my clothes and hung them from the ceiling <laughs> and made like the outline of a body. Cause I, you know, I was like, man, well, I, I always would wear these like crazy shirts and stuff. And so, uh, mm-hmm. he just was, you know, again, one of those guys, but he'd be the first guy to go, Hey, do you want to go out? Do you want to go out to dinner? Um, you know, take care of dinner for you. He's just a good guy. Very cool. So as we all know, uh, things come to an end. How did you know you were done with baseball? And how do you think most players know that they are done with baseball? Yeah, that, that's a tough one, man. A lot of guys struggle with that. Uh, fortunately and unfortunately for me, I, I was able to, I just physically couldn't do it anymore. You know, when I knew I was getting beat by talent that shouldn't be beating me, um, and I couldn't compete the way that I know I at one point could, I just was like, I can't, can't handle it anymore. I can't stand being out here and being less than mediocre, like being mediocre even. It was just frustrating with me. And again, the pain that I was dealing with was too great for me to continue on. So, so I was lucky in the sense that my body just physically told me to stop. A lot of guys don't have that barrier, right? Something that's physically telling them to stop. And so, you know, we just, we can continue to play for a long time and not really get anywhere in the game above triple a. And so it, it, it makes, you know, just, it's a tough game to leave. Yeah. 
So we got three more questions for you. If, if our listeners are just joining us, we have former Cleveland Indians outfielder Matt Laporta on. A uh, fun question for you. You run a baseball gear company with Scott Horvath and Cody Near called Laporta Sports. How do you differentiate your company from some of the other baseball gear companies? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great baseball gear companies out there. And honestly, for us, what, what I felt like <clears throat> separated us and why we even did it was, you know, we all play baseball. Cody was my college roommate or college teammate. Um, and what I always noticed was there's ne- there wasn't any like custom batting gloves out there at any level. Right. Meaning in the sense that you get your team colors, you get your team logo, you get maybe your team name on the strap and it's branded for you and your team. Right. Versus, yeah, you might have the colors, but it's a Nike brand or Under Armour or Franklin or so on. And so we just were like, hey, look, let's let's try to create a custom, totally custom batting glove. And so that's what we did. And uh, it's good. I mean, teams like it. Teams like that custom feel. And it, it feels like, you know, just, again, they're representing more of their team versus, you know, I've got these Nike Under Armour batting gloves on or whatever. And, and I mean, the quality is every bit as good if not better than some of these other brands out there awesome can you talk a little bit about your position with embrace home loans yeah so so after i got out of baseball i I took about a year off and did some traveling and stuff with the family and just kind of time to reset and think through you know my past of baseball and then um uh you know got into mortgage banking probably mid 2015 and, and uh, shortly thereafter took a position as a, you know, we call them a branch manager area manager here for embrace home loans in the Tampa area. And so what we do is, you know, we produce loans for families trying to buy a house. So it's, it's, you know, it has a great reward of, of helping people, you know, buy their biggest purchase in their life um, and, and helping make sure they're, they're taken care of with that and making wise decisions on it. Last question for you, Matt. What is one thing, moment, or story you want fans to remember your career by? Remember my career by one thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I would hope that you know people remember my career by, A, the power that I had, right? But in the, the ability to be, hopefully kind to everybody that I kind of came into contact with and just never felt like, you know, he's a jerk. He's above us because he thinks he's in a, you know, this or that, like just that I, that I treated everybody, you know, very similar and, and uh, nobody was too big or too small for me to chat with. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on as a uh, twins fan and someone who grew up in Minnesota. I'm, glad you're retired because you did a lot of damage to our twins especially for a lot of years so i'm glad that the twins now have a chance to kind of compete and contend but uh, in all seriousness this was a fun interview i think we got a lot of perspective on what you know major league baseball player does and especially in kind of a unique situation with yours being drafted three times and then having a full-time position you know not related to baseball after you're retired all right I, i enjoyed i enjoyed uh Sorry, I kind of broke up there. I enjoyed being on the show with you guys, and and, uh, it was a great time. I'm glad we could do it. Yeah.